Amen. And so uh, God's going to do something great in us. Amen. Amen. As we stand, uh, the word of the Lord, 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. And the word of the Lord says, uh, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and, fr and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Eventually, Elijah's words caught up to him brook dried up, but he wasn't there of his own doings. He was there because God told him to go there. And so Elijah became dependent upon God. Man, so that's what I want to preach to you today about depending on God. Amen. Turn to a few people and greet them as you're seated today. Man, there's a there's a story that is told uh, of a man who was walking across the road and he was hit by a car. The impact uh, knocked him on his head, which caused him to be in a coma for a couple days before he finally regained consciousness. And when he opened his eyes, his lovely wife was there beside his bed holding his hand. He said, you know, Judy, you've always been right by my side. When I was a struggling college student, I failed again and again, but you were always there with me, encouraging me to go on and to keep trying. He said, and when I got out of school and went for all my interviews and failed to get any of the jobs, you stayed right there with me, cutting out more classifieds to check on for me. So then I started to work at this little firm and finally got the chance to handle a big contract, but I blew it because of one little mistake, and you were there beside me all the way. Then I finally got another job after being laid off for some time. He said, but I never seemed to be promoted and my hard work was never recognized. And so I remained in the same position from the day I joined the company until now. And through it all, you were right by my side. And her eyes started to fill with tears as she listens, he says, and now I've been in this accident and I woke up and you're the first person I see. And there's something I'd really, really like to say to you. He said, Judy, I think you're just plain bad luck. <laughs> and the rest of the story is he never made it out of that room. And he is survived by his unlucky wife. But I, I, I wonder sometimes if that's how people treat God sometimes. Every time something is bad, something bad happens, God is always there right with us. And getting us through the rough spots and holding us up and giving us strength. And, and instead of appreciating it, sometimes some people, I'm not saying everyone, but some, it seems like some people tend to blame God when bad things happen. 
And I, I, I can't understand that, why they would do that. But some people do uh, begin to point the finger at God and saying, this is all your fault and uh, it's nothing of my own doing, but uh, we know the truth behind it all. That God's ways are perfect. God's ways are good. He wants to do, he wants to bless his people. He wants to see them prosper and, and, and bring them through uh, to new things and deeper dimensions in God. And he'll bless them in this lifetime and in the next lifetime. And so uh, we know that Romans says all things are going to work together for the good to them that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Does God love anybody here? I'm here to tell you, God loves everybody here. He died for every single one of us, and we are all called according to the purpose of God. So that means all things are going to work together for the good. That means the good and the bad are going to work together. But it's in the bad times we cannot uh, dare to point the finger at God and saying it's your fault. Because he knows more than we do, and it could be we know that God has a purpose and a plan for it all. We just got to be willing to, to go with the flow, to follow after God, and we know that if it showed up in my life, God knows that I'm able to handle it, and he's going to bring me through it. And there's a purpose for every situation in our life. Uh, we just have to be willing to submit to what that is. And it has nothing to do with what we think about the deal. It's all about God. And what his plan is. But our text takes us to the time in Israel where the Lord had just spoken through Elijah. And Elijah declared that it's not going to rain uh, again until he says so. And mind you that this is the first time that Elijah is even mentioned in Scripture. We don't have any script, any verses that talk about little uh, Joseph gave birth to a little baby Elijah. We don't, we don't have any story of baby Elijah anywhere. Our introduction to Elijah is right here in this verse where he just says, it's not going to rain until I say so. Talk about an introduction. Not even a, a cordial hi or hello, not even finding out who Elijah's uh, parents are, uh, not even uh, Ahab, hey, how's it going? He just shows up to Ahab and he says, uh, it's not going to rain until I say so. And there would be no rain for three and a half years. Now, if times weren't already tough, they were about to get a lot tougher in Israel. No rain meant no uh, meant that food and water prices were going to be soaring because without fresh rain, crops would not be able to produce as much, and uh, rightfully so, Israel was uh, is placed in the the area of the world where there's not that many rivers where their water supply and source comes from God. There's a reason why God gave that land and picked out that part of the land because to thrive in it, you got to be totally dependent upon God. If you want to see blessings and prosperity in Israel, you got to make sure you're putting, your, putting God first in your life and submitting to his commandments because they, if, if not, he doesn't send the rain. And that's where we are in this text. Uh, and so... Um, they were, times were about to get really bad and, and not to mention uh, the government trying to get involved due to water shortages. You know how they, once they get in, they step into things, it becomes even more of a mess. And so what we see down here when it gets really dry, when the water table hasn't filled back up yet, uh, they, the government likes to speak up and say, well, you can only... Uh, water your lawn certain amount of days a week. Otherwise, you get fined. And so uh, what do people do? They say, you can't tell me what to do. Some people say that. This is America. You can't tell me I can't water my lawn. But uh, those people may turn their sprinkler system on at 4 a.m. when no one was around to check. Uh, hoping that they will escape the wrath and the fines that the city is breathing about. But after a while, 
uh, your foolishness kind of catches up with you. Because if everyone else's lawn is brown and yours is beautiful green, something's going on. Uh, and so uh, you might want to keep out uh, for that knock on your door if that may be you. But here in uh, Israel, there obviously was no irrigation like that. Uh, but there would be no rain now for three and a half years. And the only people that know that are Elijah and Ahab. The rest of the people that are living across the, the, the land in Israel, they haven't got that message yet. And they're just living a, their day, uh, day by day, uh, little, to, little to their surprise that there's not going to be any more rain for the next couple years. Simply because Israel's attention and their passions and their pursuits, they were not for God any longer. But they were for false gods of this world. Their pursuits uh, and their desires shifted from God first to other things first. And that's where we arrive where this man called Elijah says it's not going to rain for three and a half years. But no matter how far Israel would turn away from God, no matter how far they would go in pursuit of their own desires and their own carnal pleasures and, and lusts, uh, they, they could never get too far from the grace of God. God's grace and his mercy always kept the door open for his people, for them to return. His love is always going to leave the light on for somebody to find their way back home, for the prodigal to come back home. The light is always on. The door is always open because God is keeping that open because we can never get too far from the hand of God. His love is always there reaching for us and those of our family members that are not here today. God's hand is still there for them. His mercy is still going out there to them, still trying to reach them to to bring them back here to be back into his presence because where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. There's a whole lot of sin out there, but I'm here to tell you there's a lot more grace in this world than we realize. That's because our God is so loving and he wants everybody to be saved. And so we got to make sure we're still praying and, and seeking God's will and direction in our lives for them because we... Uh, we're too in uh, a similar spot where we were not in uh, the grace of God in this place today, but uh, thankfully that uh, prodigals still have a way to come home. Amen. Amen, and I believe what we're going to see even more people coming, backsliders coming back to, to, the, to the Lord and uh, whatever it takes to get them back, that's what we pray, right? God, bring them back here so that God can save their soul. Come on, they've, they've touched the Holy Ghost before. They've felt his presence before, his spirit before. They know what it's about. They just need to get a renewing and a freshing. Well, this is the place, the perfect place to do that, that God can do that. And so we need to be seeking and praying that God send the the prodigals back home. Amen. So God really just never lets his people go. He never just cuts them off and, and says, you've made your choice and there's no coming back for you. God is full of grace and mercy and says, no matter how far you've gone, there's always a way back. No matter what you've done, no matter what you said, there's always forgiveness and repentance. There's still a way back. It's, it's amazing to see what God had told Solomon a few years before Elijah even said there's going to be no rain. In 2 Chronicles 7.13, he says, if I shut up, the, shut up heaven that there be no rain. Well, sure enough, here we come to a day where they're, they're beginning to live that out. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then that's what I'm going to hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will hear their land. So that's all it takes is a turning back to God, is a repentant heart and a repentant spirit saying, God, forgive me for what I've done and I'm coming back to you. And God says he'll hear from heaven again. And so if you want to hear from heaven in your life, the way to hear from heaven is God to 
to start with repentance and turning to him, amen, and being obedient to the word of God and the gospel, that means repenting of your sins and being baptized in the precious name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. So if every knee is bowing in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get baptized in the name of Jesus. Because that's where all the apostles and everyone in the Bible got baptized was in Jesus' name. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name or don't remember how you were, uh, that needs to be done. Today is a great day to do that. We've got a baptismal. We got, we've got robes. Today is a good day to be born again of the water in Jesus' name because Jesus commands us to do that. If we want to hear from heaven, if we even want to see heaven, we've got to be born again. Amen. And after that, you fill with the Holy Ghost or whenever God decides you to fill the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost before you get to the tank. Many people do that, just depending on how hungry you are. God's going to meet you at your hunger, at your desire. And so if you come in here with just a little bit, that's all you're going to get. But if you come in here, God, I'm desperate. I need something from you. Guess what he's going to give you? All that you can handle, all that you can desire, and even more so that it's overflowing in your life. And so that's how we should always be coming to God saying, God, I need to be uh, more of you. I am depending upon you to get through this situation. Amen. So uh, we are all still in the grace of God. Nobody has gone too far for his love to bring them back. Uh, this nation hasn't gone too far, even though it feels like it is, where repentance cannot reach them, where a turning cannot take place. I believe the only way to heal our country is a repentance, a nationwide repentance, a, a turning back to him, turning from our wicked ways and turning back to God and his word. That's going to open up the windows of heaven in America where we're going to see a great revival like never before and heal this nation. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know the details. I just know the end results. The Bible says there's going to be a latter rain greater than the former, and we are in the latter days. There's going to be an outpouring like never seen before, and that's going to begin with repentance, and so that's what needs to take place, and I believe that we're going to see it that we're going to break forth and see God's glory like never before. But it has to begin and always begins with repentance. And so why, why did God shut up the windows of heaven and declare that there's not going to be rain for three and a half years? Well, obviously it's to get the nation's attention. You want to get somebody's attention, you shut the economy down uh, and that gets everybody talking because it affects every single person. It affects uh, the rich. It affects the, the poor, everyone in between. We all feel uh, the effects when uh, economies uh, are, 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 are moving up, are great. We're all blessed. The rising tide right, rises all, raises all ships, but a lower, sinking tide is going to sink everyone as well. And so we all, we all feel it, and we like the good times and we enjoy and get blessed and prosper in the good times, but also in the cyclical world where things go up and down, uh, what goes up must come down. And so God is getting the attention of the nation of Israel um, by shutting up the windows of heaven. Um, yeah, sending them another blessing might get their attention. Sending them a stimulus check, we're definitely going to get their attention, and you're going to hear the words, oh, thank you, Jesus, are going to be uttered, but it's really not going to probably not turn their hearts to God, will it? It took a man to declare no more rain to get their attention, and it took three and a half years to get their attention. How long does it take for God to get our attention? Hopefully not years, hopefully not months. Hopefully minutes or seconds. That's where you. That's a good place to be. Uh, anything longer than that, uh, you're, you're walking out on the plank, aren't you? Uh, and so, uh, but um, Israel finally got the message because they finally assembled at uh, Mount Carmel, and where their turning began. 
uh, they began to turn back to God. And so if we want to see revival in our lives and in our homes and in southwest Florida and in, in our country, what is it going to cost? It cost Israel three and a half years of no rain. But there finally was a breaking, there finally was a turning, there finally was a declaration that says, Jehovah, he is God, not Baal, not all these false gods. And so what God is looking for is people just to cry out and to say, Jesus, you are God. There's no one else like you, and there's no one beside you. But what does it cost, what does it take to get somebody to declare that? It took three and a half years of no rain. For Israel to finally get together to say, Jesus, Jehovah is God. And so when we want revival in our life and in our world, what is it going to cost? What will be the cost? And are we willing to pay the cost? It's one thing to know the cost of something, but it's another thing to actually pay the cost. Elijah planted the seeds of revival by declaring no more rain. Whether we think about it like that or not, but those were the seeds, those were the words that end up started the revival that happened three and a half years later. Are we willing to declare those words too in our life and in our world? If that meant that revival would happen here, a revival would happen in our nation, would we stand up and say, God, don't send any rain for three and a half years because I know that's going to get our attention to God. Are we willing to declare, God, decimate our economy so that we can turn back to you, so that we can be dependent upon you again as opposed to our, our, our economy that we've, we, we've put together and we've developed and, and, and let run in. Uh, God, are we willing to declare, God, let there be a, a reckoning in America? If that's what it takes to bring revival, are we willing to declare, God, you need to bring us down? Tear down all of our prosperity and prophets and false gods, and are we willing to declare that in order to see revival? What was the greatest, what is the greatest revival to ever happen? What is that going to cost? What kind of sacrifice has to be put on the altar to see a fire fall like never before? We can, uh, we, you know, what, what does it cost? We, we, you know, we talk about it and we preach it and we believe it and we expect it, but uh, what, is it, what is the cost actually going to be? Do we even know what that is? But we have to understand that there's always a cost to a revival and a mighty outpouring of God's spirit. And so whatever the cost is, are we willing to declare it and are we willing to, to pay it? Are we willing to do our part and pay our sacrifice and sacrifice and pay our share for whatever God wants to do in our life? They, they've been saying for years that the next downturn in our economy is going to make the 2008 crisis look like a day at Disney World compared to what's coming. That's what they've been saying for years. And I know uh, you keep crying, crying wolf, but someday it's going to happen. And so, we, you know, we hope and pray it's not as bad as they're going to say it, but why are they saying it already? Why are they describing it like that? And so is that something that we would be okay with if it meant souls turning back to God? Would we be okay with losing a lot of our, our cushion and a lot of our prosperity and a lot of our blessings if that meant we become more dependent upon God? After declaring to shut up the windows of heaven, God told Elijah in verse 2, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He says, God tells him to go to Cherith and there you will drink of its waters and I will have the birds come and, and bring you food each and every day. Um, that that really doesn't sound like the place where the people of God should be, right? God, I don't want to be living by a river 
and getting fed by uh, blackbirds, bringing my food uh, every day, I mean, every morning and every night. I mean, Elijah really seems like was the only one that was living right for God. He was the only one following God. Uh, what he known, God revealed that there's 7,000 more people that did not bow. Uh, but uh, up to Elijah's knowledge, he's the only one living for God. And then God tells him, go and camp out, ultra primitive camping uh, at the brook Cherith, where you'll drink from the water and I will bring you your food by uh, birds to uh, that doesn't sound like a place we should be. The people of God, we're, we're to be blessed, right? We, don't, we, don't, we shouldn't have to suffer things uh, in this life. We shouldn't have to go through hardships and times and uh, dependent upon God for literally everything. We shouldn't have to do that, right? Because we're the people of God. Well, yet here's the only man seemingly living for God, and that's where he is sent. Go to the brook Cherith and stay there, cut off from the world, cut off from society, cut off from the marketplace and the grocery store. You don't get to go there. No more Walmart, no more Target. Amazon doesn't deliver out in Cherith. So you're really on your own. Elijah, you're, you're all by yourself cut off, and uh, you now have to get your water from the brook, and your food will come by the scavengers of the skies. But why? Why, why Elijah? Why? why does he have to go through that? Just being obedient, right? God, I'm just saying what you want me to say, and now this is where I got to go and live like this for years? Uh, because the word cherith means cutting. There was a place where a cutting had to happen. In order to see the miraculous and the, ultimately the showdown on Mount Carmel, in order to see all that happen, in order to see a, a massive turning of an entire nation coming back to God and to see a, a mighty revival in, the, in Israel, Elijah, you've got to get uncomfortable and, and be cut off from everything else. Because somebody's got to pay the price. Somebody's got to pay the price for the sacrifice that's going to happen on Mount Carmel in three and a half years. Because the fire just doesn't come and fall uh, out of, without a sacrifice, no. Here, Elijah, God is preparing Elijah for the miraculous that's not going to happen for a couple of years. And he's, got, he's, he's teaching Elijah to be totally dependent upon God for everything. For your very survival, your very food that you're going to eat every day, morning and night, your meal is going to come by a bird delivery system that's going to drop its food off for you to eat. Talk about depending upon God. If it wasn't for God, he wouldn't have anything to eat or drink. Now, we want to start splitting hairs. I mean, uh... Elijah going to the brook and staying there, if God did not bring food, he would not have nothing to eat. And so if that is where Elijah had to go to see the supernatural show up later in his life. And so the things, the sacrifices and the, 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 the consecrations and things that we go through, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of a 21-day consecration and, and yeah, we want to see results tomorrow. We want to wake up and see the fire fall and, and maybe that happens or maybe it doesn't. But, but maybe what we're doing right now is, is going to show up in a couple months or, or later on in the year. But we got to be understand and will be willing to pay the price, whatever it is, uh, to see what God wants to do in our lives and in this church and in this city, there always has to be a sacrifice. And so that's where Elijah had to go. That's what he had to live through to reap the winds of revival. You've got to go to Cherith and be completely sold out to God and completely dependent upon him for, for literally everything. And so is that where we are? Are you at your cherith? Are you at your brook where uh, you're dependent on God for everything? The problem was 
uh, as being living in a, uh, the, ble- the greatest country on, on earth um, in our, our economy and all these things is that we're all, we're all, we're all blessed. But when that blessing, our dependence is, becomes lessened on God. What do we need God for? We've got jobs, got grocery stores, got bottled water, got electricity. I mean, really, if you want to compare apples to apples, I mean, we're so far from Elijah's cherith where we're not waiting for birds to come feed us. But imagine if that's what God is calling us to do, go, calling us to go to such a place where we get to the place where we, we, if, we, if God doesn't send food or groceries, then we're not eating. Talk about depending upon God. I know this is hard to talk about in America, but uh, because it, we, we can't fathom such a situation where we're literally dependent upon God for our food, but there is a place uh, where we can get in our spirit, in our soul, where uh, if I don't have you, God, that I'm starving, that I have nothing without you, and that's where God is trying to bring all of us to a place where the cutting takes place, where the, the cutting off of the world and all the, the pleasantries of life are, are removed and, and and things are brought down in our lives so that we can realign and refocus on what is really important, and that is actually depending upon God. And so are we depending on God for our survival, or do we go and look at our pantry first? See, we won't probably pray for groceries until our pantry empties out. Do we... Are we dependent on God or do we count our blessings and then when all of our blessings run out, then now it's, uh, now it's time to depend upon God and see how backwards it can be. And it's, it's that, that struggle, that balance we have as, as uh, born-again people living here and, 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 and living in a world where everything is, is figured out and, and supplied uh, so close. Um, and so... Uh, cutting off from all other resources in our life uh, so that we are totally dependent upon God. That's where uh, the real fire begins to happen. That's where things are stirred up in our soul when, uh, when uh, we're, we're totally dependent upon God, that if God doesn't do something, then we are really hurting. And so his... Uh, he goes in verse 5, and so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And so here's how to tell if you're bearing the brook, if you're, if you're being dependent upon God, is that you're going to feel the effects of the, of the curse of the world around you. Because the, the Bible says that creation is, is groaning uh, until the redemption, until Jesus comes back and releases creation from this, the, 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 the groaning and the pain of sin. And so uh, how to tell when you're that connected is that the pain and suffering of sin are around you, you're going you're gonna to feel that as well. The curse of no rain forced the, for the wicked nation ultimately dried up the brook that Elijah was drinking from. His own words caught up to him, and he actually felt the curse in his own life. And so what happens is we want to we wanna live in such a, uh, a cushioned apostolic bubble where God, do all this stuff, but I don't want it to affect me at all. Uh, we want us to have all these things happen in our life, but God, I, I don't want to feel any uncomfortableness in my life. I don't want to feel any, any pain or any suffering, but God, I want you to do all these things to see it happen in your world. But God's asking us, are we willing to pay the price to see those things happen? He asked Elijah to do that, and Elijah was paying the price. And so how, how does that look for us today? How, uh, we look around at the sin and, and the wickedness, and we, 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 we remark and we talk about how bad the world is and how far it's turning from God, and, uh, but does that, do we feel any of those effects? 
Are we, are we bearing any of that, that grievance that, God, this, is, this world is, is hurting and dying, and, and if, it, if it hasn't penetrated our soul, we still got some things we, we may need to cut out of our life that's providing insulation. It should grieve our soul that people are dying and going to hell. It should, we should feel that. We should feel the heartache of God because God wants everyone to, to be repent and none to perish, but uh, people are perishing every day. So we can walk through the city and walk through the stores every single day and not notice a, a lost and dying world. And we're not there yet. We're, we haven't cut, went to the place where the curse is, 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 is we're feeling that in our own bodies now, where uh, the brook is, is dried up because of the curse of, of sin. And so uh, the, if, if, if we're not feeling that, if, if we can walk by and go in and do our shopping and not even think about uh, if, is, there, is every, uh, are there any uh, other people of God in here or, or, or this person uh, is hurting? Do they have they been born again? If we can walk in and out of places and, and malls and stores and and not even uh, be connected to the world around us, and yet everyone is dying and going to hell. That's where we got to go to the brook Cherith where a cutting happens, where we, we start cutting off these things. And God, what are, uh, what are these things that uh, are, are, are distracting me or taking me away that I don't feel what you're feeling anymore, that I don't, I don't see or sense what God you're sensing around me in my environment? Because if we walk into a grocery store or a mall or a Walmart or a Target and, and we're, we're there to shop, but, it, we're, but we're also saying, God, is there somebody in this? store that I can that I can speak to that I can minister that's that's on a different level isn't it that's that's connecting to God right there that's being a minister reaching out and, and doing something but if we walk in there never even to think about it, if there's somebody here that could use a word from God buy our stuff and walk out there's 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 some cushion there there's something there, an insulation that's keeping us. And obviously we have to be separate from the world, but we also have to go back into the world and preach the gospel and be in a light to those that are dark and lost. And so we have to be, uh, we have to be there. And so um, uh, Elijah, before Elijah ever went to Mount Carmel, we want Mount Carmel all the time in our life. And uh, before he ever went to Mount Carmel, and be, before he ever saw any rain come pour out, he first had to experience the cutting off of the world and the cutting off from the brook and calling out and being separated from the world and to trust and depend upon God. And so if we want to see greater things happen in the kingdom of God this year, then we're going to have to get more dependent upon God to provide and to do things in our life. Because as long as we can do it, as long as we can easily do it and it doesn't, it doesn't affect us, we can write a check or send a text or send a number and it, and it just, boom, goes in and out, doesn't affect us. And uh, we, can, uh, we can still be far from the place where God wants us to be. And so after the brook dried up, and obviously the hard times even caught up to the man of God, caught up to Elijah, the brook dried up, his water source was gone. Uh, we don't see Elijah panicking. We, we don't see him crying out to God, why have you forsaken me? We don't, we don't see any of that happening. Why? We don't see him saying, uh, uh, I can't believe that pastors is talking about a giving service with all that's going on. Has he seen the inflation reports or has he seen the price of eggs and meat and, and just about everything in our world is becoming more and more expensive and uh, you better believe it's now's a good time to do a giving service and uh, to, to declare our dependence upon God. Why? Because we're so used to everything moving and going so well that if things starting to rise, we're starting to feel a little bit uncomfortableness around there and that should be a wake-up call, a reminder to us and hey, it doesn't matter the price 
of eggs. What matters is God's word because that's going to be eternal. That's going to sustain us. That's going to supply us, not the grocery store, but the very word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceeded out of his mouth. That's what keeps us alive is the word of God, not these stores, not the prices of meat and the farmers and the, the butchers and all that. God's going to supply our needs, but we have to get our dependence back on God. We got to get reconnected and say, God, you're the source of it all. You're the reason that I have what I have. And if the prices go up, that means God's just going to have to bless me somehow to pay for all these things. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with God giving you a raise to pay for the price of eggs in your life? Not the time to cry and complain about how, how high prices are. No, God, I'm your child. I give, you, I give to the church. I, I give to the kingdom of God. You said if I put first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto me. And so we, we're, we're crying about the eggs, but hey, that seems to me like it's God's problem. Right? As long as you're obedient to the word of God, you're submitted and you're humbled and you're, you're, you're paying of your, your tithes and what God's asked you to pay, uh, uh, that's his problem because he knows, he sees the increase. But what happens is when, when inflation happens and prices of things go up, what, ha- what, what do people tend to do? Oh, I'm, gonna give, I gotta, I'm giving less to the offering now. The eggs took my offering, God. The meat took my offering. I would have extra, but I had to go grocery shopping. I had to eat. You see how the dependency is, is not there? It's shifted that we put the eggs first rather than putting God first. Because no matter how high the prices go, and maybe they go much higher, if you're faithful to God, you shouldn't have to worry about that. That's God's problem. I'm being faithful to God. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to learn to become dependent upon God. And then if, if eggs go to $12 a gallon, $12 a dozen, hey, God's going to give me an extra six bucks somehow, some way. He's going to make my money go further than it's ever gone before. Why? Because he's going to sustain me. He's going to feed me. He's going to provide for me. Why? I'm his child, and I'm dependent upon him. I'm not dependent on my checkbook or my money or my abilities, but I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and he's going to worry about the rest. So what a time to do a giving service and at the beginning of the year because we don't know how this year is going to go. But in my opinion, my mind is saying, hey, if I commit in January to be faithful to God, hey, if eggs are $12 a dozen in June, that's God's problem. Right? He's going to make a way somehow for me to buy eggs. And he's going to make a way for me to, to feed me and sustain me. And maybe he just starts sending chickens and laying in my yard and lay egg for me every day. God can do that. If the, the ravens fed Elijah, he can send your neighbor's chicken to drop an egg on your doorstep every day. That's the type of faith we need to have when we're dependent upon God. God, if the economy goes down, hey, that's your problem, God. I'm being faithful to God. I'm I'm not going to withdraw giving to God. I'm going to be faithful. I pledge this much, God, and that's what I'm going to give. No matter what happens, I'm putting you first, and the inflation is going to be God's problem. But if God is not first in our life, if God is not first in our life, then inflation becomes our problem. And I don't know how bad inflation is going to get, but I don't want to deal with that. I'll just be faithful to giving to God. And he can work out. This may be the hardest working year God's going to do in a while in our lives, but that's okay. Those that are faithful to God, hey, it's easy for God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And this inflation is no, no match for God. He can speak things into existence, and he can cause people to give things to your life and pour into your life. But uh, you have to be faithful and dependent upon God in order to see these uh, amazing things happen. You want to be fed by birds? Go out and live by a brook all by yourself. See, nobody, you know, we want, we love to tell people, man, the birds bring me my food every day. What a, what a miracle. Well, 
Who's going to go out there and start living out there? We all want to steal everyone's testimony, but nobody wants to go and, and experience that for, for years or however long it takes. And so uh, no matter what's going to happen this year or next year, uh, it should not impact our, our commitment to the give, giving to the kingdom of God because we're putting him first. And he knows your commitments that you make are going to make today. And so uh, if you're faithful to that, God's going to provide a way so that you can do that and give it because uh, he doesn't need our money, but he wants to see you're being faithful to him and he'll provide, he'll take care of the, the rest. If we're faithful to him and all that we do in obedience to the word of God, amen? Musicians, if you would come. And so the brook dried up. Inflation hit Elijah. But Elijah wasn't worried about it because why? He was dependent upon God. God's gonna, God will supply my needs. He'll supply my needs. Because if you've been to the brook, if you've been to Cherith, where the cutting happens and the things are cut out of your life, and you become dependent upon God, you've witnessed God become your provider. Elijah witnessed God literally providing for him every day. His worry and anxiety about where I'm going to eat, that's all gone now. He doesn't need to worry about that. God provided for him. He, he experienced that in his firsthand uh, account. And so until you get to the brook and you, you'll experience a lot of worry and a, a lot of doubt and a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress and maybe even depression will come when you're, when you're worrying so much about situations. But if you're faithful to God and you're dependent upon God, you shouldn't have to be worrying about those things because God is the one who has to deal with it because you, his word says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... All these things will be added to you. That all part, that's on him. That's on him. Your part is being faithful and putting God first. That's what you need to be worried about. Now, of course, if you're not being faithful to God and you're not uh, given like you should be given, yeah, you might be stressing anxiety and depression, all those things are coming in your life because you're not doing your part. So, of course, the, other, the, the second half of the equation is not going to work. Uh, and so um, uh, there's going to be a drought there. There's going to be uh, at the brook, there was uh, inflation happened. Uh, and now is not the time. Uh, we, we may tell ourselves now is not the time to make a financial commitment to the church because of all the unknowns and who, what's going to happen this year. And I need to squirrel away some money in case something happens. Well, what about God providing the, those, those needs if something happens? Uh, and so, but, but what better way to walk into the unknown of 2023 than with a pledge to God saying, God, no matter what happens, your kingdom's coming first this year. You're, you're, I'm going to give to you first this year. God, I'm pledging uh, this for your kingdom so that it will be first, that no matter what happens, I believe that my future is going to be secure in you because I'm what, what I'm committing to give to you today. Imagine being able to take the weight of this year off your shoulders. Not even worried about well, January, what's today, the 20th? Uh, imagine not even worrying about the rest of the year. We have a hard time worrying about letting, leaving tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. But imagine the whole year, financial stability, economy, ups and down, the world on fire, all that worry and stress. If I'm reading the Bible right, if you put God first, you don't got to worry about any of that stuff. Inflation included and all that stuff. Uh, and so what better way to start the year off and say, hey, no matter what happens, I'm secure and God's got me. Why? Because I'm going to become dependent upon God like never before. And one of the, one of the, the ways we do that is uh, financially pledging to the kingdom of God. Because the old saying, where you put your money where your mouth is, right? We can talk a lot, but putting money there, uh, that's, that's really where the rubber meets the road. And so uh, the, the, the brook dried up, and God told Elijah, 
Verse 8, the word of the Lord came on him, saying, Arise, get thee the Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I'll keep feeding you, Elijah, because you're dependent upon me. And you go to this place, and she'll feed you. And don't worry where you're going after that, because I'll just speak to you. Give up, the word will come to you again. And hey, go to the next town, and somebody there is going to provide for you. And, and then go to the next town, somebody else provides you. You see how God can just orchestrate our steps in our life if we become dependent upon God and not dependent upon our own ability and our own, our own money and our, our own skills and making things happen. And so, but notice what actually is sustaining Elijah. What sustained him at the brook? The ravens brought him the food, but it actually wasn't the ravens that sustained him. What do we see here in Zarephath? A woman will sustain thee. It's not actually the woman. It's the word of God. Because God spoke to the birds and said, go feed Elijah. It wasn't the birds that sustained him. It was the word that went forth. God's word is what is actually sustaining Elijah. And God said, I will, uh, I will speak to the woman, and she's going to sustain you, supply your needs. It's not the woman. It's not the birds. It's the word of God. Uh, and so we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That is what sustains us. We have to realize that. It's the word of God. It's the word of God that's going to feed us. It's the word of God that's going to give us a future. It's the word of God that gives us hope for our inheritance and our situation. But if we seek him first, all of these things will be taken care of. I know it doesn't make any sense, but that's what the Bible says. We got to walk and live by faith. God, it doesn't make sense. How is it that if I put you first, Seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. You'll take care of everything in my life. That's a lot of stuff to take care of. Well, God understands commitments. When you put him first, he'll put your needs first. And so the brook of Cherith is where the cutting takes place. And we need to go through that process before you go to Zarephath. But Zarephath is actually a place uh, for melting and refining metals. And so that experience, that faith in God that you experience at, at Cherith, uh, that faith that it takes to, to make that financial commitment today, it needs to be refined. It's easy. We can easily write something down and, and write a commitment on a card. But that, that whole, what you just did is going to be tested. Tested by God, tested by the devil. devil. devil doesn't want you putting God first. The devil wants you to put God last. And what happens when God's last? There's never enough money to make it to the offering plate. Because everything else comes first. Uh, and so Zarephath means uh, a place of melting and refining metals. And so uh, our commitments need to be put into action. It needs to be tested. And that happens in Zarephath, a, a place of refining and purifying and cleansing where all the junk is removed and burned out and all that is left is good and pure so that God can really do something in you. Uh, and so uh, whatever you feel led to, to, to write down today on the card to pledge to give to the kingdom, know that. That, that, that amount is going to be tested at some point. Maybe you hear a voice, oh, you didn't really mean to put that, or something will come up for, in, your, in your life, an emergency, and uh, do, you give it to the king, do you give it to God or do you give it to this? There's, going to be a, there's always a testing of things. Uh, and so it says he arose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, Behold, the woman, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it, and he called her, he said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And so now uh, he's getting his water again, and he's also now he's getting some bread. And, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but only a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son and that we may eat it and die. Wow, and we thought inflation was bad. We're not there yet. We're our last meal. 
this widow, this is the widow that God said is going to sustain Elijah. That doesn't make any sense. She doesn't, she's gathering, she's finding two sticks to make for her final meal and then die because she's only got one little cake, one morsel left uh, to feed her and her son. But yet all of a sudden here comes this man of God shows up and say, hey, give me some bread and water. And she's like, I, I can't even feed myself or my family and you're, you're, you're coming to take my bread? Doesn't make sense, does it? And yet this is the woman who's going to keep Elijah alive by feeding him when she can't even feed herself. And so it looks like Elijah's faith is about to be tested because he heard from God that she's going to sustain him, but it really doesn't seem like this is the right situation. God, the, what I had in mind is you're going to lead me to a, a rich lady's house who's got a pantry full of bread and I can take all I want. I mean, that's talking about sustaining, not to, not to this, this widow woman who's got one piece of, one donut left for her and her son and, and she's going to sustain me. I mean, it'll sustain me for a meal, but what about tomorrow and next week? And so, and she obviously doesn't know what's going on. She didn't get the message yet. She knows that there's no more. She's already checked everywhere in the house and pantry and a do- dry storage a dozen times and down to the bottom of the barrel. And she's really staring reality in the face and she's accepted her fate. She knows this is it for me and my kid. But Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as thou hast, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it to me and after make thee for thy and thy son. For thus said the Lord God of Israel, the bear of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now here's an opportunity. This is the moment. The word of God has went out. The word that sustains. The word that went out to, to speak to the ravens, to send Elijah food. This same word went out to this woman. Now she has to take it. And she has to accept it and believe in that word. And the word was, make me a meal first. Put God first. Then make yourself and your son a a cake. And then afterwards, that oil and that bread is not going to run out until the rain comes. That's all there prepared. And so uh, it's on her. She can do it or not. She can deal with worry about inflation or not. And so what did she do? She decided to put God first and give the uh, a man of God uh, the cake first. And you know the story that it is an endless supply. Uh, somehow God worked a miracle. Why? Because it's not, it's not our surroundings that determine what happens. It's the word of God that goes forth. And whether we're going to take that seed in our life and say, no, I, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so uh, that's what we have to hold on to. So uh, we have to realize that God can work, make anything work even in situations where it doesn't make any sense at all. But that's where our faith has to step in. And so, so many people focus on what they have or what they don't have rather than focusing on God because he is a maker of heaven and earth and he is my provider and he will provide for me. Uh, I can only make one more cake out of this flour that I have left, but uh, if I give it to God, what can God do with it? I know that if I take it, I eat it, and that's it. But what just happened if I just reached out by faith and said, God, I'm going to die tomorrow anyways. Just give this up and see what, what you can do with it. And so uh, the cruise, never, never, uh, cruise of oil never dried up. And so 
Verse 15, if you stand with me, as she went and did according to the house uh, the saying of, of Elijah, and she and her and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. See, again, it's the word of God that kept that oil going. It was the word of God that kept that cruise, uh, that bread uh, from not withering away. And so no matter how little you have, you still have enough to give to God. Even if it's your last meal, your last penny, uh, you can keep it or you can say, God, I'm going to give this to you. Whatever uh, you can do with it is more than I can ever do with it. And so if you have a little bit of flour left, give it to God first. If you have a little bit of faith left, give it to God first and let him do something. If you have a little bit of strength left, just give it to God first and he can take whatever you have and he can make it go so much further than you and I can ever do. So don't let the devil steal your blessing for this year. Don't let the devil add all this worry and strife into your life because you decided not to put God first. He doesn't want you to make a commitment today. And again, this is obviously uh, above and beyond your, your, uh, the tithing that God asks for. Uh, we're, we're, we're our faith promise, as you can see on the card, our faith promise is, is money that we send out every month. None of that stays here. That go, we support 37 missionaries every single month. People that are out there who have forsaken their homes here and said, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go live by the brook somewhere, some other, other country of the world. We support 37 of them that are out there preaching the gospel, praying for people to get the Holy Ghost and transform their life. Every single month, 37 people are, are, are waiting for us to send them money. And I know that if God, if you give to help spread the gospel, God's going to bless you for that. Why? It's his kingdom that is going at work. His kingdom is, is growing because it takes the money to go do that. And so we support three church planters that are here in America that are building churches. Uh, and so your money, you can help actually build churches, not just this church, but other churches around in different parts of the city and world uh, in states that you may never even come across. And there may be a soul that comes and gets saved at that church or or, or that mission field that gets, uh, gets born again because of the money that you promised to give to God. And you don't think God's going to keep notice? And you don't think you're sending money overseas to God. Reach souls with this money. Reach souls with this money. People get saved and go to heaven because of this money. And you don't think that when, when inflation hits home and your brook dries up and their eggs are $6 a gallon, you don't think God said, oh, I need to take care of them because they're taking care of everybody else. I'm going to take care of them. It goes to... to support orphans, troubled teens, kids who, who got messed up in this world that are turned into Jesus. Uh, money goes all, all, all out of this church to different organizations and programs. And through our building fund on the other side is the, the things that if you want to make a commitment to the, the improvement of here, the building here and the grounds here, I'm pleased to say that spoke to uh, the fire uh, sprinkler people today, or uh, I think it was on Friday, and uh, they've, they're all completely done. They've connected everything. These things are live. You set a fire in here, these things are going to go off. We just got another, we got another inspection or two to happen, and it's officially done, but physically everything is connected and going. And so, hey, we're going to be moving forward. We've got things that we want to do, get this project done, and move on to something else. As you see there, we want to we wanna, we wanna replace all the carpet and stuff in here and begin to upgrade things, and we want to add a playground for the kids because they're just running all over the place. They might as well go burn it outside somewhere else, right? Uh, we want to we need to update our landscape all kinds of things. Uh, there's lots of stuff that needs to be done, but we gotta, uh, we gotta uh, be willing to give towards that to see that happen. Uh, and so those are the commitments that we're asking for this year. Um, and so it takes faith. 
to put a number down and saying, God, I don't know what's, what's going to happen. I don't know where it's, things are going to turn, but I know that if I put you first, that you're going to make a way somehow, some way. You see, we have a tendency to say, Lord, if you bless me, then I'll give. God, you pour the money in my lap, and then, oh, yeah, then I'll go give it to you. God, I, I win the lottery first, and then I'll go give it to the church. That's not how God works. God says, give me your last cake. Give me your last cake and see what I can do with you. Uh, uh, and so in the kingdom, God says, give me it, and let's see what happens. You, you, we've got to give it first. We've got to pledge it first uh, before we can see God begin to work and our, put our faith in action because Luke says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, and with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So we have to give it first. And so if you've, if you've got a number in your mind, you don't have to turn these cards in. These are for you for a reminder. Uh, but I want to ask if, you, if we can all come down to the front today, bring your, bring your commitment, bring your faith. And it's not just about the giving today, but if there's something that you need in your life today, amen, come down to the front and bring it to God. Bring all of our pains and our hurts and our sorrows. We're going to bring them to the Lord today and let God begin to do a work in them as we offer them up to you. Will you come? Come on, let's make a commitment to the Lord today that God, I'm putting you first this year. I'm going to depend depend on you like never before because the day may come where our world is turned upside down and I am forced to depend upon you. Come on, let's come and worship. Let's come and seek God. Let's come and put God first today. Not just in our words, but it's going to be tested. God, I'm going to be faithful to you. Help us, Lord. You're right Learn dependent upon you. That is all that oh, let's worship the Lord together as a body.